Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. This, out, this local outpost of God, we are worshiping Jesus Christ. We are living out the Father or God's love. And we're transforming community by the Holy Spirit. I have a couple of announcements before we start our service. One is, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, it's a communion service and have the elements ready um, for everybody. It's a full moon tonight, just to keep your eye out. If the clouds keep clear, there's a, if anybody, did anybody notice anything different about the front in front of the sign? Yeah, an Eagle Scout. Uh, we, we took this idea from Laguna Beach, First Press Laguna Beach. Um, they had an Eagle Scout come to them and say, hey, what do you want to do as a project? They built a cross right in front of the church with the hooks on it. And there's pens and, and tags. And you can write prayer requests. You can write praises and just put them on the front of the cross. It's blown up at not like not literally. They didn't blow it up, uh, but there's a that's 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 what the young kids are saying. Uh, blowing up, uh, it's covered all the time. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what God does with that. Um, also, we have an annual meeting right after this. We're going to move into the Fellowship Hall. There's a lot of lasagna. <laughs> a lot of lasagna. Nobody leaves until all that lasagna is gone. But we have an annual meeting right after that, or right after the service, where we'll celebrate what God has done, look forward into the next year, what's happening. On Saturday, there's a memorial service, January 11th at 11 a.m., and that's for Jeannie Sager. February. That's right. Good catch. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Did I say February at the beginning? I think I said January 5th. Oh, my. Okay. It's February 5th. This is going to be a long one right here. Okay. Eagle Scout Memorial, Genius Sager, January, February 11th. I wrote it. That's where I'm And then we have a new Bible study. We have a new women's Bible study happening on Wednesday. It's co-ed. Isn't it saying the bulletin? Yay, women's. Women's men's. I, just finished, I didn't finish the sentence even. It's co-ed. It's co-ed. Wonderful. Talk to Marsha or Terry if you, if you have any questions or want to be involved. And there's going to be a Zoom option, too. So if some of you don't want to roll around at night, just sign on the Zoom. <sighs> okay, that's enough of mistakes by me. Let's everybody stand up. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. I'm going to be leading us in a call to worship, and this is from the Passion Translation. And this is Psalm 112, verses 5 through 8. Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable, conducting affairs with honesty and truth. Their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, ever secure in their faith. Steady and strong, they will not be afraid but will calmly face their every foe until they all go down in defeat. We worship a mighty God. We worship in a time where there are many foes. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, knowing he has us. 
Oh 
he became sin, knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself, he carried the cross, love so
Thank you, band. This morning when I was driving to church, I was listening to the fish. And Pastor Greg Laurie said, I would rather be in a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. That is the Lord we serve. If we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Together, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste to the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy on us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. My brothers and sisters, know this. God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. The surpassing grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ in that he says that each one of us is forgiven. Praise be to God.
What a gift, right? What a gift. The table's carrying the, yeah, we got a choir, a praise band, and the table carrying most of the load this morning, so my, my sermon should be brief, right? Let me uh, give us an introduction. We're in the Ephesians, and as I've been preparing these sermons, I've realized I've led Bibles through Ephesians, but I've never preached through Ephesians. And the one thing that I'm getting just surprised by every single time in preparation is this letter is so very encouraging. Right? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a blessing. I don't know. I'm excited to, to share some more good news with you. That's a good job, right? That's, a good, that's an easy job. That's what, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 14, and I'm going to read through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, we thank you for these encouraging words from Paul to the church at Ephesus and ultimately to us here this morning. Fill us with your fullness. And all God's people said, Okay, this is our second prayer of Paul for the people of Ephesus. Remember the first sermon I gave in the series was his first, his opening prayer. And you can tell a lot about someone by looking at what they pray for. I pray, if if you were studying me, I've been praying for the health of this church. I've been praying for this annual meeting that's coming up after the service. I've been praying for the sick. I've been praying for a growth. What is Paul praying for? For these people in Ephesus. There's a theologian, I've been quoting him a lot. His name is John Stott, and he wrote a commentary on Ephesians. And he labeled this, Stairs of Prayer of Paul. 
And this is this passage. This is, he introduces and introduces us to this God full of riches, full of power. And then he says, I pray for your strength. What kind of strength? What for? For this reason, strength in your innermost being. Oh, I also wanted to say right at the beginning, notice his posture. Where is Paul at this point? Starts with a P, ends with a risen. Prison. He's in prison, and he's kneeling in prison. I think it's important you, th- you hear that. What, is this, what does this posture say to you? This posture says to us, you're the master. I'm the servant. You've got all the power. I'm going to do whatever you say. But then he also says, Father, what's that say? Go back to some other stuff he's written. We're in the family of God through Christ. God is the Almighty. God is also as close as your Papa, your Abba. He's on his knees in this prison cell and he says, Okay, I want them to have strength. Strength in their innermost being. Why? Why do we need strength? And notice, um, he says, innermost being by the Spirit and then power by the, the Spirit of Christ dwelling in your heart. Dwelling in your heart. The Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit are synonymous in Paul's letters. He's doubling down, and he's giving the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, its attribute of getting out of the way and pointing to Jesus. All the commentaries that I looked at this, they were just blown away. Paul is so Trinitarian. He's kneeling to the Father in the Spirit, praying through Jesus. For strength, for strength, and for Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to dwell. The Greek word right there, katakeo, and it's, they have, Greek's really specific, and this is that he'll be at home in you. He'll take up residence in you. And us. Okay, keep cruising. What's the next step? So he starts with this, this baseline. He, we're praying for strength in our innermost being and praying for Christ to dwell in us, to make homes in each of us and in all of us collectively. He takes this step up and he says, Love. I pray. I pray that they would love. Love. And remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about how he described us, the church, as a new humanity. Our new humanity, its primary virtue is love, right? If you ever question that, read anything written by John. (laughs) By the way, love, love, love. Oh, yeah, 
Love. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Love. That's his answer to everything. Deep roots, firm foundation. Knowing, and then he makes the next step. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, he does. The next step. Um, what's knowing Christ's love? He talks about our love for one another, and then in that context, as we're loving one another, and that's how we live out God's love for us, he talks and takes the next step, walking up, saying, that you may know Christ's love. And then he spells it out. The love of Christ, this is a quote from Stott on those when he, when he says the height, the depth, all that. You remember that? Everybody look at that, 18. The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind, long enough to last for all eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. And then Paul throws in, oh, and by the way, I'm praying for you to know that Christ loves you. But there's a mystery here. You could explore for the rest of your life and you'll never comprehend it. It's beyond all measure. It's fitting that this is a communion Sunday. Why? Where am I standing? I'm in front of the cross. I'm behind the table. Right? You're hearing all these words come through this. What is this? We just sang about it. It's Christ's body. It's Christ's blood. It's the love of the Father in his unfathomable adoration of you and I and us collectively to lay down his one and only son. This is unfathomable. Amen? And then he comes to the title of my sermon, Fullness. Fullness. So he's walked up these stairs. He said, okay, I want you guys to have strength. I want you guys to have love for one another. And then I want you to get lost in the fullness of God, of Jesus, of Christ's love for you. And then so that, so that you might be filled to the fullness of God. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I went to... Three years of junior college, Fulton JC, and then three years of Biola University. And uh, so I squeezed it into six. I squeezed the four into six. That last year, I was a biblical studies major because I figured out I wanted to be a pastor right in the middle of there. Um, that last year was doing my second year of Greek. And because I was about to fail it, so I had to drop it. So I had to come back 
And I did a, um, a one year when I first started dating Malia. This is right around when I was first starting to date Malia. I, uh, I, was, I was working at St. Andrews, finishing up at Biola. I say that because John Stott in his commentary points out one of two things I really remember about Greek grammar. <laughs> right? You know, you know, some things. The success story of that is the only class I got an A++ in, like, I, like 100% in, when I went to seminary was Greek. <laughs> by the time I had failed it and tried all these other things, I got an A in Greek, which was awesome. I don't know. That's a success story in my life. Um, so I remember two things. I remember like two Greek. I, I remember the alphabet. I remember a, a lot of words and all that jazz. But I remember two grammar things. One of them is if you see a, a noon and a tau at NT, you're dealing with a participle. If it's towards the end, you know, I know that's a participle. If you see an ace, which is epsilon, yoda, sigma, meaning into, whatever's after it, you're dealing with a subjunctive. Let's listen to, and so let's listen to Stott on this. Let's listen to Stott on this. Stott says this, may be filled with the fullness of God. It is uncertain how this genitive would be understood. If it is objective, then God's fullness is the abundance of grace which he bestows. So Paul's praying for us to understand. If it's the genitive, if he's praying for us to be understanding of how much grace God has given us, right? If it is subjunctive, uh-oh. It is the fullness which fills God himself. In other words, his perfection. Staggering as the thought may be, the latter seems more probable because of the Greek preposition is ace, which indicates that we are to be filled not with so much as unto the fullness of God. Unto the fullness of God. And he likens it to being called to be holy as God is holy. Called to be perfect as God is perfect. This is Paul in his prayer in his cell on his knees saying, I pray that they have strength. In the back of your mind, you're like, why is he, why is it strength? Strength to know love. Okay, I get it. I get it. You need strength to know love. I get that. You need strength to know, know the love of Christ which is beyond measure in every direction. And he crosses over unto, unto filling with God-sized love. Why do we need God-sized love? Have you been outside? <laughs> Have you looked in the mirror? We need God-sized love to get out of this. We need God-sized love to make a difference. We need God-sized love to matter. We need God-sized love to know who we really are unto the Father. 
And P.S., all the way through that, he says, with the saints, with the saints. Recognizing that this is half of the equation of the new humanity that is in Christ. What's the other half? Those on the other side of the veil. Those in the kingdom triumphant. Kay Deer. Elsie Hughes. Phyllis Smith. We need all of that to know what it is to be in this new humanity. And Paul is on his knees praying for the church in Ephesus and ultimately for you and I. And then he sandwiches, he sandwiches this text. 14 in sickness, 14 through 16a, he talks about the richness and the fullness of God. And then in 20 and 21, what does he do? He comes back and he bookends it. And he says, if this actually happens, it's all because a powerful God did it. Let me read those two verses as the end of my sermon. But my application before I say that, pray these prayer stairs. Paul taught us how. He's prayed it for us. Now we pray it for one another and we pray it for those that we love. Even those that we don't love. Now to him be all the dunamis, the dynamite, the power at work within us. And that's able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory. To him be the doxa, the thanks, the praise in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Everybody say that with me. Forever and ever. Ready? One, two, three. Forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask my brother Edson. He's going to bring forth the offering. I'm going to pray a prayer for the offering, a prayer of thanks, and then we're going to do a hymn of thanksgiving and then a doxology. But for those of you at home, please send your tithes, gifts, and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. Join me in another word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, fill us with the fullness of yourself, O oh Father, through Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the gifts that we receive, all the ways you bless us, even those times when we don't even see you working. We praise you for those moments of you connecting the dots. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all our praise. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,
night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his 12 disciples and he changed the Lord's Supper. He changed it from the Passover to the Lord's Supper. And it's just like what I was preaching about a second ago. This isn't Presbyterian table. This isn't my table. This isn't Sharon's table. This isn't anybody in here's table. This is the Lord's table. And this new humanity, it's anyone who's in need. Who's honest enough to realize, or she's honest enough to realize, can't make it. Can't make it of my own merit. Can't make it on my own. Can't make it with my strength. My need. God said, hey, I want you. I want the least and the lost, the broken. I want to create this new humanity out of people who aren't full of themselves, but instead are kneeling, broken, asking for strength, asking for love, asking for the fullness of Christ's love, even to the point of being filled with the fullness of God himself. Lord, take these elements. Use them to heal us, break us, mend us, make us whole. And all God's people said. On the night Christ was betrayed, he gathered around his disciples and he said, this is no longer the Passover bread, which meant you had to get out of Egypt so fast you couldn't wait for it to rise. This is now a new covenant. I'm making a new covenant with my people. And I say, this is my body broken for you. Would you now peel back the first layer of your pods? And I'm going to take some of this. And actually, turn to your left and turn to your right and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. When the supper was ended, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to you, O God of all creation. He passed the cup among his disciples, and he said, Take, drink this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And following his command, we do, and we are reminded that this bread and this cup are the new covenant, the new promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, who invites us to come, take, and drink in remembrance. Take and drink. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Will you pray with me? 
God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your Spirit, that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This thing's not on. Just as a reminder, we have an annual meeting right after the postlude. And if you're a member of the church, please join us. Even if you're not a member, come and have some free lasagna. There's tons of it. I want to give anyone in the room a heads up. We're about to do something that I've never experienced in ever any other worshiping service or congregation. We close in, I'll do the benediction, there'll be a Lord's Prayer. But then towards the end of the Lord's Prayer, something dramatic happens. So anybody new in the room, just giving you the heads up. Everybody stands up, holds hands, and lifts hands. It's pretty, pretty encouraging, I think. But for now, let me give you a benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Thank you.